Well, good morning. We're glad that you're able to study from the Word of the Lord, and, and we hope that you'll get your Bibles, follow along as we open the Word of God. Uh, we're going to begin our study in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. Paul says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, and all good works. And as we look at this text, it is affirming what? That the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And that's what we want to emphasize. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's a very unique book. When we, when we look at this book, the Bible, I mean, it's not just any volume. It's just not any book like a, you know, a Time magazine or you know, the Lexington Herald or the Commonwealth Journal or, or you know, uh, some encyclopedia. No, it's a very special book because it's the inspired Word of God. And year after year, it's a, it's a bestseller, and it is a book that has been translated in more uh, languages and dialects than any other book in the world. So it's very special, and uh, that's what we're going to study about uh, here today. All right, so when we talk about uh, the inspired Word of God, inspiration is affirmed many, many times in the Scriptures, and we just want to look at some of them and talk about that as we... Uh, 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 look at this uh, topic in Matthew chapter 22 if you look there in Matthew chapter 22 uh, Jesus he's been in these uh, back and forth question and answers and uh, they ask him questions now he's got a question here at the end of chapter 22 and beginning there in verse 42 saying uh, to the Pharisees what think you of Christ whose son is he and they said unto him the son of David and he saith unto them, how then, does, how then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Uh, the, and then he quotes Psalm 110, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou on my right hand, to make your enemies your footstool. If David call him Lord, how is he his son? But as Jesus talks about this, this uh, Psalm 110, David by the Spirit... By the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that's inspiration. The guidance of the Holy Spirit, how, how did he call him Lord? And, of course, they really couldn't answer that and because they, uh, well, they're kind of dishonest and uh, you, you have that a lot. But it's affirming the inspiration of the Old Testament. And just as the Old Testament was inspired, the New Testament also is inspired of God. And then let's notice uh, here in the book of John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, but the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, when he, uh, which the Father uh, will send in my name, uh, he will teach you all things, and he will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So Jesus promised the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, and the Holy Spirit would guide them and teach them. Now, this is to the apostles. A lot of people look at this text here in John chapter 14, verse 26. Oh, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, he's going to teach me. It's not talking to me. He's not talking to you today in, in 2020. It was ta he was talking to the apostles. Well, how do we know that? Because he says, I will bring all things to your remembrance. I mean, what has Jesus ever told you? Nothing. But he told a lot of things to the apostles. And the apostles would have to say, oh, man, what, what, oh, remember there at uh, Philip, uh, Caesarea Philippi. You remember what he was teaching? Oh, what did, Peter, what did he say? Hey, hey John, what, what, remember what he was, they didn't have to worry about that. The Holy Spirit would guide them and direct them. And not only teaching them, but bringing these things to remembrance. And that affirms inspiration. 
Then notice in John chapter 16 and in verse 13, John 16 verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of uh, himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit would come upon the apostles, the Spirit of truth, and would guide them, direct them in their preaching, and then, of course, in their writings. Let's look a little bit further. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, notice there beginning in verse 9, uh, it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I like that. People think, oh, well, this is talking about heaven. Well, in a sense, that would be true, but that's not what he's talking about. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. You see, the things that are, are recorded here in the Scriptures... What we have is that the Holy Spirit guided the apostles and the prophets by inspiration to understand and to reveal. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11, For what man knows the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? It's like, okay, I could be thinking of something. And I could say, what, what, what am I thinking about? Well, you may take a wild guess, and it could be any number of things. But the only way you're going to know is that I reveal to you what I'm thinking in my mind. And that's the way it is about God. We, we might guess that God's thinking this or God's thinking that, but we're not going to know until the Holy Spirit reveals it. And that's what Paul is affirming here, that the, that, that the Holy Spirit, uh, even so the things of God, knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. Uh, then in verse 13, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, or the American standard, spiritual words. That is, God inspired not just a thought. Sometimes people say, well, did he just uh, inspire the thoughts? And then they, they just sort of wrote, no. He inspired not only the thoughts, but also the very words in giving these things of revealing the mind of God. And then he goes on to say, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can they, he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And again, the point is, we're not going to get it from our innate self and think, mm, I think this is what God means, this is what God wants. No, God reveals this through inspiration. And that was, of course, then written down for us in the Bible. So look further. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, notice there in number 37, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and number 37, uh, Paul says, If any man think himself to be a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that are right unto you are the commandments of God. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, I only go by the red letters. That is, the things that Jesus himself said. You know, I don't go by the other stuff. No, you, you, that's, that's incorrect. We go by all that the Bible has to say. Because that's what Paul points out here. He says, the things that I'm writing are the commandments of the Lord. So whether it's the, 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 the revelation and the recording of what Jesus taught personally by the, that the apostles, of course, were guided to, to record for us, 
or whether it was Paul and the epistles and the other writers giving by revelation, it was, of course, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then notice in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, inspiration is once again Affirm. Paul says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, uh, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God was given to me, to you word, how that by revelation, revelation means that it came directly from God, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote it for a few words, so Paul got it directly from God, then he says, I wrote it down. And he says, whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That's inspiration. Paul and Timothy and, uh, or Paul and, uh, excuse me, uh, Paul writing Timothy, uh, Paul and Luke and, and Matthew and John, etc. They, they weren't relying upon their own memory and things. So no, the Holy Spirit was guiding them when they were writing these things. That's what inspiration is about. And of course, uh, the passage that we began with, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The affirmation both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then one more text that gives the affirmation of uh, inspiration. In the book of Second uh, Peter, chapter 1, in Second Peter, chapter 1, notice there in verses 19 and following. He says, For we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, that is, of any private origin, is the, is the concept. It says, uh, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but by the will of men, uh, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's inspiration. It's fantastic. Inspired the people in the first century to speak by inspiration, and then inspired them when they wrote the scriptures. And so the Bible over and over again affirms inspiration. Uh, that, that is the direction of the Holy Spirit. All right, now let's talk a little bit about, well, what is inspiration? What, what, what do you mean by inspiration? All right, notice that text once again there in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, For the prophets came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved. The word moved literally means being born along. It's kind of like the wind blows upon this sailboat, upon the sails. And that, that, that pushes the sailboat as, as the wind's blowing in, in those sails. Well, that's the ideal of inspiration. The Holy Spirit was guiding, directing the thoughts and the words and, and the pen when these men were writing uh, the Bible. And uh, that's what we're talking about, inspiration. Look at that passage once again. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God is a term, literally it comes from two terms, that is God and to breathe. That is God breathe is the concept of inspiration. That is breathed of God. That is God by his Holy Spirit blew or breathed upon them and they of course directed their speaking and their teaching 
And then, as we go back to that passage there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, notice there once again in verse 13, as Paul affirms, and let me just read it from the American Standard Version, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which also the Holy Spirit teaches, combining spiritual things, that is spiritual thoughts, concepts, with spiritual words. And so uh, that, that's the whole point, that God was guiding. Uh, now, sometimes people say, hey, but you know, we kind of read, you know, John's letters, and it kind of has the flavor of John. And we read Paul and what he writes, and it kind of has the flavor of Paul. And Luke, when he writes the Gospel of Luke, uh, being a doctor, you kind of see things that sort of flavors of, uh, of Luke being a doctor. Well, that's true. Well, it would be like, uh, well, if we had a whiteboard and had different colored markers. All right, I got a red marker, and I'm writing here on the whiteboard. And then I pick up a, a blue marker, and I'm writing with the blue marker. And then I pick up an orange, and I'm writing uh, with this orange marker. Well, that's kind of like you look at the, uh, the, various, uh, the various writers. That is, when God was guiding Peter, God, God was guiding Paul or John or Luke, their, their, their background and their knowledge and their vocabulary and their thinking, it sort, of, it sort of was coming through. And that's why you have characteristics of the writings of John or the writings of Paul or the writings of Peter. And again, the illustration, who's guiding the pen? Well, I'm guiding the pen. But you see the different color pen, you see the different uh, shades of color uh, that, that are coming out. And so it is when you look at the various writings there. Now, when we talk about inspiration, something else that we need to see as we go back to the book of Second uh, Timothy, chapter 3, it's complete. This is very important that the Bible is complete. Look at that text once again in Second Timothy, chapter 3. It says there that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that is complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, some good works, no, most good works, no. The text says all good works are revealed right here in the Scriptures. And that is so important to know that this book is complete. It, it, it's there to make us complete, to make us perfect. Everything, all good work. It's, it's all, all the information is right here in this book that we call the Bible. And that's so fundamentally important to know that the Bible is complete. Now, let's look at that passage once again in John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus promised, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come. That is, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon the apostles. And when the Holy Spirit, uh, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Most truth? No. Pretty near all truth? No. A bunch of the truth? No. He will guide you into all truth. That is, all things that are necessary for us to uh, be right in the sight of God would be revealed to the apostles in the first century. And so it was that they were guided in all truth. Now, when you say, well, now the Bible's not complete and we need some other additional revelations, you know what, well, you know what that, the implication of that is? Well, was Jesus wrong here in this text in John 16, 13? When he said the, the spirit of truth is going to guide you into all truth, well, you know, he, did, he didn't get the job done. Are we going to say Jesus is wrong? I don't want to take that position. 
Would we take the position, well, you know, the apostles, they, they stubbed up against the Holy Spirit and they refused to be guided by the Holy Spirit in uh, uh, revealing all truth, speaking all truth. No, I'm, I'm, I don't want to take that position. Or would we say, well, you know, the Spirit of Truth, he just wasn't able to cut the mustard and get the job done. I mean, would you want to take that position? I don't want to take that position. I mean, the Holy Spirit, part of the eternal Godhead, that somehow he would falter and fail? I think not. And so the promise is, when uh, the Spirit would come, would guide them into all truth, yeah, it was all given in the first century. We had the Old Testament already, and then the New Testament was all revealed here in the first century and recorded, and it's all been handed down to us. Now, the implications of that is that, well, when it comes to the heirs of men and the, the claims of those that say, well, we have additional revelation, you know right off the bat, hey, that's not so. Why? Because this book is complete. It has all things that pertain to life and godliness, as Peter uses the phrase. They were guided into all truth. And so, what we want to say, the Book of Mormon, we would know, well, that's kind of like 1,800 years too late. Or if you talk about the Quran, that, that's like, mm, like 600 years too late. Uh, you want to talk about the decrees of the Pope. That is a kind of ongoing thing. The, they, they came a little bit too late. Or you want to talk about the writings of Ellen G. White, who claims to be a prophetess for the, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. No, that come too late. Or the Watchtower. The Watchtower in, in, in the organization of the Jehovah's Witnesses, they claim that the Holy Spirit guides the, uh, the leading class, the, the ruling class. And uh, again, that would be incorrect. Or people say, well, now God told me this, or God told me that. I was driving down the highway, and God began to speak to me. We can know right off the bat all these things are erroneous. Why? Because God told us everything that he wanted right here in this book we call the Bible. And that's why we're always studying it. We're always citing it. We're always reading it. We're, we're encouraging. We're always approved uh, and to establish everything that we do with Scripture, book, chapter, and verse. Very, very important that the Bible is the inspired word of God and it is complete. Now. The Bible affirms inspiration. Do we have any proof, any evidence? I mean, anybody can make a, a claim, but is there any proof? And I think this is really an important uh, concept to, to talk about. Really, uh, I remember studying about this many years ago when I first uh, began studying the Bible and kind of wanted to settle on my mind. Well, how do you know the Bible is, is the Word of God? Well, let me just offer some just quick proofs. Really, you could do like a whole series of studies. This, this is a great study for young people. Uh, I, the harmony of the Bible. Now, there, there's a great one. I mean, we look at this book, and it's really a, a whole collection of books. I mean, you've got the Old Testament books, you've got the New Testament books, and, and it's this whole collection of uh, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, uh, and uh, 27 in the New Testament, 66 books. And it was written by 40, uh, 40 different writers over a period of 1,400 years. Well, that's a long time, a very, very long time to think about. And, uh, but you see the overriding hand of God. I mean, what book... Uh, that, that was written over so many years could have such harmony. I mean, the Bible doesn't contradict in this passage and then over here in this, this book and this text and, and it just all kind of contradicts. And uh, No, 
There's just beautiful harmony in the scriptures. And to me, that's proof. That, that's very strong evidence of the overriding hand of God guiding the, these various men and writing the scriptures and uh, over these many, many uh, centuries. And then another one that's a, that's a great one is the relevancy of the scriptures. You know, I mean, you, you talk about some books and some writings, they just sort of kind of fall by the wayside. It's like you, you could find books about how to fix a test tube television. I mean, maybe somebody still tinkers with old test tube televisions. When I was a kid, my dad used to tinker around with these, these test tubes. Everything's electronic now. They, they don't use uh, test tubes anymore. And so a book about how to repair, you know, television repair of test tubes and, and all that, that, that's like falling by the wayside. It's irrelevant uh, uh, today. It has, has no meaning today. But the Bible, it just like comes alive. And this is one of the, the, the most interesting things I think about for me, traveling to other countries and other cultures. And yeah, it's, you know, translated in different languages, but it's so relevant. I mean, it just, you talk with people here and you talk with people there and you, and you use the illustrations like people, yeah, yeah. And they get it, they understand it. And it, it, it knows and, and it's just so applicable, 100% applicable in various cultures and, and languages. You just translate the phrases in, in the common vernacular and like people get it, they understand it. And to me, that, that's strong evidence that the Bible is inspired of God. And then here's another one, prophecy. Uh, as Peter talks about that, we have a more sure word of prophecy. That is, the word of prophecy, we've seen, uh, Peter's talking about, we see these various things that were mentioned in the Old Testament. They've been fulfilled. I mean, here these things were prophesied. I mean, all kinds of things, all kinds of prophecies, like some 300 prophecies about Jesus, the coming of the Christ, and, you know, how he would die, and his death, and his burial, and his life. I mean, there's so many things in prophecy. Bam, they all came to pass. I mean, people tried to prognosticate, okay, well, in 2021, we're going to have some hurricanes. No, duh. 2021, we're going to have some uh, tornadoes. Well, no, duh. 2021, we're going to have some, you know, cold weather. Well, no, duh. Now, if you could describe exactly uh, the hurricane and how strong it will be and where it's going to hit landfall and how many days it will be, and you give all kinds of details way ahead of time, well, now that would be pretty special. You have to say, well, that would be, that would be by the power of God. And so you, you just have to, you, you have to say, yeah, sure. It has to be. It has to be. All these things that were prophesied, and they all come to pass. It's not like, you know, it's like a 60% uh, success rate or 75% success rate in these prophecies. It's like if it was prophesied, it came to pass. Every single prophecy, it all came to pass of these various things talked about in the Old Testament of the coming of Jesus and his kingdom, his church, etc. And that's very strong powerful evidence and proof of inspiration and then scientific foreknowledge not that the bible is a some sort of science book but it does talk about things that are kind of very interesting and the question would be well, well how, how did they know these things 
Let me give you two or three illustrations. Like, for instance, in, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 8 and verse 8, it was, it was interesting. Uh, in Psalm 8 and verse 8, let me just read it and I'll tell you the story about that. It says, The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. I forget the fellow's name, but he was not feeling well and he had his son read the Bible and he's reading Psalm 8. And he talked about the paths of the sea. And he thought, if the Bible says this, there's got to be paths in the sea. And so they began doing some study and, and looking, and sure enough, yeah, they're, they're like paths. They're like these channels. And I've seen pictures where you see like in the ocean and in, in the sea, it's like here you've got water currents. They're just, they're just flowing. And you'll even sometimes even see differences of color. There's differences of temperature, like warm waters flow up and then the cold waters flow down. And, and they're like paths. They're, they're like roads. Just like we've got all kinds of roads around here, Somerset. And here's 27 going this way. And Magnolia, I live on Magnolia. And, and it, you know, it's a different path. It's a different street. Well, that's, you have that. Now, how, how, how did the, the psalmist know that? Well, I, I would suggest by inspiration. It's evidence of inspiration. Or let me suggest another one that's pretty interesting. In the days of Noah, you know, Noah's building the ark, and he does what God says there in chapter 6. In chapter 7, he goes into the ark. God shuts the door. And then notice there in Genesis chapter uh, 7, verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, that same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. And the windows of heavens were open, and it rained upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Now, we talk about the story of Noah and the ark, uh, which rained forty days and forty nights. I think most people uh, remember that pretty good. But there's something else that says the fountains of the great deep. The fountains of the great deep. Now, what's interesting, like when Moses would have wrote this way back in Old Testament times. A few thousand years ago, how, how did Moses know that there were these fountains down in the depths of the ocean? I mean, was there like submarines back then? I mean, was there like special scuba gear that could take you way down in the depth of the ocean? But sure enough, there, there are actually these, these, these springs down in the, in the floor of the ocean. These fountains, freshwater fountains and springs. How, how did Moses know that? Because it talks about the fountains of the deep were broken up. And so water came from down in these freshwater springs. How, how did Moses know that? I, I would suggest that would be evidence of God would know that. And he directed him to write that. And let me give one more of the kind of a scientific foreknowledge. In the book of Leviticus chapter 17. In Leviticus chapter 17, look there in verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And that's so true because the blood, it takes all the nutrients to the various parts of the body, to your arms, your hands, your legs, your feet, your head, your skin. It's taking, it's like, it's like the railroad, it's the truckers. It's, it's, it's bringing all these nutrients and the oxygen and all that. 
And then the waste products, it's taken to the kidneys and to the liver and to the intestines to dump out the stuff that, that, that's uh, toxic and, and uh, waste. The blood, the life of this flesh is in the blood. Now, it wasn't a whole lot of years ago, but like century before last, like 1800s, 1700s. Yeah, you ever seen a barber shop? And you know, they got, they got that red and white stripe thing out there to signify a barber. The, the history of that, a lot of people don't know it, but, but the history of that, barbers used to do bloodletting. Bloodletting was like, okay, you're, you're there to get a shave and they're cutting your hair. And he would like cut your, cut your hand, cut, cut a vein, and let some of the, you wasn't feeling good. He wanted to let some of that bad blood out. That was bloodletting. Because they thought, well, you know, if you're feeling bad, you got bad blood. And to get feeling better, you're going to get rid of some of that old bad blood out of your body. And barbers did that type of thing. Then they figured out that, wait, no, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I mean, some of the presidents that have been shot and, and or attempted to assassinate they would be doing this bloodletting. Well, he's not getting any better. Let's let out some more blood. And there were probably people that were killed by, by accident, by unknowingly thinking that, well, there's bad blood. We need to get rid of more bad blood. And really, that it was to their detriment. But Moses was right there in Leviticus 17, verse 11. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Very interesting, very powerful to me when you talk about the scientific foreknowledge. And then something else that we can suggest is, Proof of inspiration. That is the honesty, candidly, uh, God deals with the various characters of the Bible. I mean, you look at David. I mean, he's described as a man after God's own heart. But when David did bad things with Bathsheba and all the mess that went along with that, God, God was up front, very candid, very honest. Say, hey, this, this is what happened. He calls a spade a spade. I mean, you look at some of the biographies that people write about other people, or they'll be uh, talking about somebody. Well, they just sort of really emphasize all the great points about this person, you know, really talking it up. And then maybe some skeletons, you know, sometimes they m might mention, sometimes they just don't, they just ignore it. They just don't want to even talk about that. Not God. He just calls it the way it is. Or Peter, you know. I mean, he does some great things, but then when he does stupid stuff, God says, that's the way it is. And, and very candid about the various characters of the Bible. That's important. That's evidence of inspiration. And then let me say, suggest one more as a proof of inspiration. That is the person of Jesus. When we study the Gospels, we, we've been studying in the Wednesday night auditorium class through the book of Mark. I mean, just, just great, great stuff here as we study about Jesus and various miracles that he performed and his nature and his character is demeanor, his disposition, dealing with people. I mean, it's just tremendous. Who could have thought of the character of Jesus? The things that he says about himself, the things that he claims for himself. I mean, who? Who could have thought of such a person as that? Well, you, you, I mean, you look at the, like in mythology, the Greek gods. It's like a celestial soap opera. I mean, just all this mayhem and mischief and adultery and, and uh, treason and, and just all kinds of crazy stuff when you talk about uh, the, the gods, plural, the, the deities of uh, uh, the Greek world, the ancient world. But 
the person of Jesus? I mean, when you study about Jesus and what he taught and what he said, his life, his character, all the things that he did, you, you, have, to, you have to, really there's only three positions that you, you could take about Jesus. Either he's just absolutely crazy because he makes pretty, pretty bold claims. If he, if he's just, if he was just a really a good man, that was it, no more. He wasn't God in the flesh. He must have been crazy. Be, I don't think he was crazy. Or you'd have to say, well, he'd have to be a bold-faced bold liar, just, I mean, a liar to the core, claiming uh, divinity, claiming all these great things, you know, that he came from God, and he's going to return to God, and he's going to come a second time. I mean, we'd have to say he's a big, he's a big liar. Or we'd have to say, well, he's Lord. He's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. You're going to have to take one of three positions. You can't say, well, he's just a, a mere man, good guy, but that's it. No. I take it that he indeed is Lord. He's, he's so unique. I mean, just the great things and the wonderful things that he did is just, just amazing, this person of Jesus. To me, that, that's great proof of the inspiration of the Scriptures. All right, one more point uh, to study about this morning. The implications of inspiration. One of the implications is when we talk about the Bible being inspired... That means that it is God's Word. It's not the Word of Ezekiel or Isaiah or Moses or David or John or Matthew or Paul. This is God's Word. These men were merely instruments and tools that God used to give us the Word. It's God's Word. And we need to respect the Bible that it is God's Word. And since it is God's Word, and there is abundant proof of inspiration, uh, and you could do, like I said, a whole series of lessons and studies on that, and you can examine and cross-examine uh, the beauty and harmony of the Scriptures. Another thing that we need to think about is that we can put stock in it. We, we, can, we can bank on this Word. I mean, over and over again, the Bible always proves to be right. People will be reading something in the Old Testament about some place. Ah, we don't have no record of that. Uh, or talks about some event or something. Ah, we don't have a record of that. And then how many times they'll be digging around over in Israel and, and uh, you know, the Bible lands and phew, bam, turns up. Bible was right all, all along. So we can just, we can count on it. We can put stock in it. That indeed is the Word of God. And I'll tell you something else that we need to do, and that is to reverence it. There in Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, last month, Josh preached from this text. And it's quite impressive, that verse 5. And I'd like to read it again. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight, that is the book of the law, the Bible, the Scriptures. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, uh, for he was above the people. He's on some type of podium. And when he opened it up, the people stood up. That is so impressive. The reverence, the respect. When the Word of God was opened up and read, it's like they stood at attention. I mean, it's, that, that just shows the great respect. And we need to have great reverence and respect for the Bible. Because indeed, it is the Word of God. And something else that uh, implied being this is the inspired Word of God. And that is, we need to study it and search it and, and seek after it. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. I, 
I like how the King James uh, renders that. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When we're studying and digging into the scriptures, we need to handle accurately, rightly divide. Not try to, 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 to you know, make the Bible contradict. People, you know, they throw out these, oh, yeah, the Bible's full of contradictions. Well, give us one. Give us one. And so they'll throw up something, and you kind of study about it, and, you know, there's always good explanations for every one of these things. That really there is no contradiction. And then there in First uh, Peter chapter 1, in First Peter chapter 1, notice there in verses 10 and following, of which salvation, there's this salvation in Christ Jesus, under the New Testament order, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that is coming to you. They searched diligently. They would think about it and they would meditate about it and they would ponder about these things that was prophesied. They knew it was something wonderful that was to come. They never did get figured out. But they searched and they inquired and they talked and they thought and were digging in there. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should uh, follow. Unto whom it was revealed and not, not unto themselves but unto us. Uh, but unto us they did minister the things uh, which are now uh, reported unto them which uh, have uh, preached uh, the gospel unto you uh, with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven which things the angels desired to look into. Even angels, they, they couldn't figure it out. But they were thinking about it. They were studying. They were digging into it. And so it is we got to be digging into this book and looking up words, and looking up verses, and, and uh, references, and, and digging in to find the harmony that's in the scriptures of divine truth that's given to us. Yeah, that's an impl implication of inspiration. And then, of course, we need to listen to the word. Notice there in the book of Hebrews, chapter uh, 1, verses 1 and 2, God who in various times and in various ways spake to the fathers in times past uh, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Jesus is speaking to us. When we're reading the writings of Paul, we're reading the writings of, of Peter, Luke, etc., it's Jesus talking to us through his servants, the apostles and prophets. You remember there at the Mount of Transfiguration there in Matthew chapter 17. There appeared Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah would re represent the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. And then there was this, this shadow uh, that came, this cloud, created the shadow. And God speaks. And what does it say there in verse 5? Uh, Yet while he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the, out of the cloud which said... This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Hear ye Him. Not hear ye them. God says, listen to my Son, Jesus. When we open the Scriptures, it's God speaking to us. Speaking to us. It's the book of God. It's the mind of God that is revealed to us. And then let's notice something else, that we need to obey its precepts. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7 there, in the final little uh, parable or analogy at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus says there in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him as a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. See, the wise, they hear, and they do. They obey. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be like unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Yeah, if we don't obey, we're going to be like this foolish man, building our house upon the sand. We need to listen. And as James said, not be a hearer only, but a doer of the word. That's the one that's going to be blessed. Yeah, we need to listen and we need to obey. The inspired word of God, that's what we need to be doing, is to have utter respect and reverence for this great uh, this book, this mind of God revealed to us that guides us and directs us. All right, so may we conclude by saying, God is speaking to us. Are we listening? Are we obeying? Are we heeding what God has to say? Hope that we will. Shall we bow as uh, we go to God in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study and to meditate upon your word. The Bible indeed is your word. It's inspired. It was guided. We can put stock in it, great confidence in it. And we just thank you for it. And, and thank you for the guidance it gives to us, the comfort it gives to us, the great promises, the information that's therein, that we can know your will and your mind, that we can do those things that would be pleasing in your sight. Thank you for the, uh, for the scriptures. Help us to always cherish and to study and to meditate upon it and to make those applications in our lives that we can be better people. Thank you for all blessings. Thank you especially for Jesus who made the great sacrifice that makes all spiritual blessings possible. Thank you for all your goodness and kindness and pray that you would forgive us as we'd be willing to forgive others. Bless those that are sick. Bless the rulers to give them wisdom to direct the affairs of our country in a good way. For we ask, uh, for we ask all blessings and favors in Christ's name. Amen.